we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where it's time. That's right, it's time for us to throw everything out the window. The kitchen sink is going. Spoilers are going to be flying around left and right if you haven't seen any of the movies we're talking about today. Because, well, if you haven't seen them already, tough luck! We're talking about it. If you don't want to hear about it, just shut us off. Go watch the movies and then come back. Because it's time. Alton has seen all the movies we talked about last week. Oh boy! Not only that... He even talked Krebs into watching the theatrical release of Justice League just so we could bring you the most epic show ever. Bombs will be dropped. Grenades will be going off. Friendships may be torn apart, but none on this episode. Maybe your friendship to us, <laughs> but we hope not. So that's with right. That said, this episode is going to put the DC in DCR. Oh, no, 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 no. It's putting the D. But the D stands for danger. The exactly. D stands for danger. This episode will be full of danger. There will be no punches pulled. So much D. Yes. This is, this is the DCR cut. <laughs> the DCR cut of the Snyderverse, of the Whedonverse, of... The DC movie universe and what we think, believe, and everything else. So the question is, where do we start? Well, first, I love that you threw out the spoiler warning. And I realize we're talking about movies that span about 10 years at this point. But to be fair, we are going to be talking about Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, the ultimate cut, the Justice League theatrical cut as well as the Snyder Cut. If you do not want to hear these spoilers, first, stop hiding your love for DC and just go watch the movies. You've had plenty of time. Second, if you want to keep listening to us, it's at your own risk, and we should have a really great time. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great time. Because there are some critical questions that need to be answered today, and there's one that's been burning on my mind in particular. I just want to jump straight into this. Ooh. Do it! Krebs, what the actual heck you told us last week something that to me <laughs> in passing not having seen any of the films i thought was just like whatever i didn't think twice about it because i wasn't interested in any of the films but you said that you prefer man of steel i, do. I need you as a film student as a, uh, a clearly a provocateur <laughs> to justify your answer because I've got some opinions here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I am willing to hear your opinions just long enough to tell you how wrong you are. So here we go. Uh, Man of Steel. I wholly recognize it does not follow traditional canon per se. I wholly recognize that it is a grittier, darker version of the Superman mythos than what we saw with Christopher Reeve or the 1950s television series, or even with uh, Return of Superman with or Brendan Routh. the comics in general. Or most of the comics in general. This was one of those, this was one of those films. Uh, first of all, I love the Superman character, period. And I've already said many times, I am not a comic book aficionado, so I guess I did not go in with that bias, right? That said, I think that Henry Cavill is the best thing to happen to Superman since Christopher Reeve. 
And I also think that the way that they approached certain items of his mythos were unique without degrading the original storyline, without destroying the character. For example, and this was something that Daniel brought up last week as well, their representation of Krypton was fantastic. When you compare that version of Krypton, a planet in peril, in distress, in danger, being torn apart, not only by its, um, <laughs> nice, being torn apart, not only by uh, its uh, planetoid issues, but its planetary issues, but also by the politics, by the by the um, issues that plagued them as a people, all of these are coming to a head all at once. Um, I thought their version of Krypton uh, truly surpassed the version that we saw with, um, oh, what's uh, Marlon Brando? Marlon Brando. Yeah, as Jor-El, right? Uh, I thought, even even though, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, why, don't, why don't we go point for point here for just a little bit? You tell me what you want to say. Go. So, so, so I, I first off. Everything that you've said so far, I generally agree with. Okay. I do think that their depiction was excellent. Um, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say that Man of Steel is an excellent film. I think that it struggles a lot. But the, I guess here's the critical clarifier that I have to ask, and I hope that I didn't just accidentally clickbait the entire DCR audience here. <laughs> I seem to recall that you said that you prefer Man of Steel over Batman v Superman Ultimate Cut. Is that correct? Uh, I said I prefer Man of Steel over Return of Superman. And Okay. Yeah. Um, but do you, do you prefer it over Batman v Superman Ultimate Cut? That's a good question. Um, I, that, I gotta say, even you giving pause here is... Uh, not yeah well that's still in confidence I, I feel like you're asking me if i prefer apples or to wear coats in winter like it's it to, to i realize they're both dc films but you're talking about a film that is effectively a crossover uh even though we, we haven't had batfleck as a solo yet it's effectively a crossover of storylines of, of, of three storylines at least right uh and it is a it is a build-up to justice league uh whereas man of steel was just about establishing one character. It was just about establishing Superman. So mm -hmm. I don't, I'm trying to decide where I stand on that question, but I'm also trying to decide if that question is even fair. Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoyed them both, I did. And I'm not sure that between the two of them, I have a favorite. Oh, no, no, I can take that back. Having, but, but maybe it's just because I, I've seen Batman v Superman Ultimate recently more recently than watching man of steel if you told me right now i could only watch one of those movies and i had to watch one of those movies right now i would choose man of steel but i haven't watched it in a while and i really enjoy that movie oh, oh crabs you just oh. Oh, yeah no okay so here's the thing i i'm, I'm kind of dying in my chair over here go for it i and 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 here's the thing i'm not here to yuck anyone's yum of course, okay. of course. If you like Man of Steel, I'm not saying you can't like Man of Steel. But objectively, putting the two films next to each other, admittedly one of them being a Snyder Ultimate Cut versus the actual release Man of Steel, okay? Maybe if I saw a Snyder recut of Man of Steel, I might feel differently because, again, all of the pieces in Man of Steel were there. Yes. But the execution 
was so, so bad. Oh, it was okay. so bad, Krebs. Okay, I disagree that it was so bad, but I do not disagree that in terms of execution of film and structure, uh, Ultimate Cut was a superior film. I, I agree with that. But I do not think that Man of Steel was a bad movie. I will say it was not perfect. It definitely had its drawbacks, but the parts that mattered most in that film, I think truly stood out and added value to the pantheon of DC films involving Superman. Okay, before I launch into any specific points, I want to get Dan's thoughts on this. So, yes, please. So I'm going to jump in. Um, this is, and this is my opinion. I'm, I'm going to put that. We right need there. it. We need your opinion. I think Zack Snyder sucks at first go arounds. I mean, mm, just him, yes. Man is still does not have the same treatment that Batman versus Superman or Justice League had. Man is still did not have a Snyder cut or an ultimate version of it. It's that it is the only release. Same thing happened with Batman versus Superman. The theatrical cut had a lot of problems. It was disjointed. Yep. It had all the right pieces, but it didn't flow in the proper manner. I think Man of Steel suffers from that very same aspect. Um, what was edited and put out does not flow very concisely. Um, my, you know, my biggest gripe is Jonathan Kent. I hate Jonathan Kent in this movie. Mm. Um, one, uh, I, I, the casting I think was wrong. You know, Kevin Costner is a f great actor. I love Kevin Costner, but I don't think he's a good Jonathan Kent. But at the same time, I can't say that completely is all his fault. I think a lot of it is the fault of how they design the character. Jonathan Kent is the is who hold, molds Clark Kent or Superman into the person he is in the comics and the movies. He is the one that inspired and believed that he was sent here for greater purposes. I mean, even if you watch the new uh Superman, Lois, and Clark, CW. This last episode, there's a scene where it talks about your father knew you were sent here for a greater purpose, that there is more things here for you, uh, or you're here for more things than just being here in Smallville. The Jonathan Kent we saw in Man of Steel was like, you know, he just saved a busload of people, and he felt like he needed to do that, and he's like, well, maybe you shouldn't have. That I felt like was a huge opposite of the Jonathan Kent we've always seen. And his death scene. I mean, yeah, it's different, but I just, him holding up his hand, it just really felt like Kevin Costner saying, all right, the money train with you guys has stopped. I'm out of here. I've always felt that way. And I just, I, I really struggled with that character. Um, I, I can totally get behind that the Kevin Costner version of Jonathan Clark is not the traditional Jonathan Clark. And yeah, I do agree. Yeah. I'm sorry, excuse me, Jonathan Kent, excuse me. <laughs> You're right, excuse me. So sorry um, that it, it's not the traditional version of Jonathan Kent. I can totally agree with that. I and, and I also see, because it's painfully obvious, I think we all see that what they were trying to do was give Superman two father figures representing his his two his two sets of responsibilities right mm -hmm. um and and it gave him a dichotomy 
uh, I think they were trying to build that conflict, especially when you consider the end of that film. Yeah. Um, it, it, I, I think when you look at it in terms of, if we took it as an isolated story, not as connected to the comic books or anything else, if we took it as an isolated story, I think they did something clever in giving him two key paternal figures, two, two icons of what it is for him to be a grown man, for lack of a better term, for, for, for him to be a hero or for him to be a complete person. Um, they gave him two different icons that are obviously diametrically opposed. And I think that there was something really clever in the storytelling of that. Um, and then his death scene, I know you don't like it, but I think it showed at least one thing was common with Jonathan Kent uh, amongst all of his versions of the character. And that is that he sticks to his principles, even at his own peril. So I'm going to jump off of one of the thoughts, one of the threads there, still staying on topic here. You, you were saying, you know, absent background lore, being a fan of the comic books, understanding the background. I am that person. Uh, I, I've never gotten into the Superman mythos. I think I watched Superman two once as a kid at my grandparents' <laughs> house. Like I had like the Batman shaving kit and the Superman shampoo as a kid for Christmas one year, <laughs> right? But that was, it was not because I was necessarily into comic books. It was just what the thing was at the time, right? right. And it, I, I'm sure that Dan has some more thoughts here. So I don't want to jump super deep into this, but specifically talking about Jonathan Kent. The critical scene for me, he saves the bus, then he's back home, other kids' parents coming over, reaming his parents about it. Dad, you know, goes outside with him to talk to him. And, and his first thing is he's like, you shouldn't have saved that bus full of kids. And I'm like, what? Like, first off, understanding nothing about what the traditional portrayal of the character is. Even with that being the case, what parent is going to tell their kid don't do the right thing like especially when we know that this is a story about superman who is supposed to be the paragon of truth and justice who does everything to save the people and save lives at all costs in this whole nine yards and then it doesn't even go anywhere with it it's just him and it just at that point i was already starting to feel a little upset yeah. you know um and i've got i mean I'm going to show the screen right now. Like <laughs> these are all notes. Okay. He's scrolling multiple pages worth. My, my wife, bless her heart, agreed to sit down with me to watch all of these films. And we ordered in a whole bunch of food and we set it up on the bar and we're like ready to go. We put it up on the big TV. Right. And we're a half hour of film time into man of steel. And it's been an hour and 15 minutes and I've got a page of notes. And we sat there for like 20 minutes and she's like, I don't even know if I wanna watch all these films. Is this, if, <laughs> you know, she's like, she's like, how well rated is this? And I was like, well, Krebs says this one's his favorite. And she's like, Krebs said this was his favorite and almost did not continue. Wow. We, we choked down the rest of Man of Steel and I've got a ton of other notes, but like even that early in the story, seeing this, critical piece of who superman is being just kind of tossed by the wayside bothered me a lot 
And I've got a whole bunch of other critical notes. I'm not going to hit every single thing here because this episode is not about Man of Steel. But Dan, before I go into any of that, what other thoughts did you have regarding Jonathan Kent? Well, no, I mean, that's a really critical thing because how do we have this paragon of truth and justice when his father is teaching him to not save human lives? I mean, I get the dichotomy between Kryptonian and, and you know, and, and and that by the two different fathers. I liked that. I liked that comparison. I liked seeing an active Jorel. We really, you know, in the past, he was this weird animated thing or this voice, you know, like we saw in Smallville. It was just this voice. We never saw a person. Uh, we did see Marlon Brando, but he was this hologram. But in, and he wasn't in this case, but what the two bring is. You have one father that's, you are the last hope of Krypton. You, you are different than the rest of the Kryptonians, and this is why. And Jonathan Kent is, even though you have all these superpowers, you need to be humble, you need to be human, and you need to help others. Because you could be a god that could rule over us with no problem at all. And that is why Superman is the way he is, because he knows he could take over the world. He easily could. And there's nothing we could do to stop him, but it's because of those roots that Jonathan Kent and, and Martha instilled within him that make him be that humble person that wants to be more human than this all-powerful being. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think that it was a I think that it was a flub from a writing standpoint. Yeah. Because again, like stripping all of that away, going back and researching the mythos and understanding everything that's going on, I'm like, okay, I can see kind of what they were shooting for with this idea of like you've got to be careful you you can't just jump into action every time right like you have these powers it's important that you don't shoot yourself in the foot or get shot because <laughs> you're jumping the gun too early right and, and causing problems that other people aren't ready to handle but that doesn't contribute to the story as a whole and it doesn't contribute to Superman as a character. Even if I'd seen that come back later in the film as something that, you know, Superman, as he's starting to reach that apex of his power becomes conflicted about, do I save these people or not? Then I'd be like, okay, it's weak, but it's there, but it has no impact on the story or the character whatsoever. Um, I, again, I don't want to spend too much time on Man of Steel a few very brief notes. The biggest thing that bothered me about Man of Steel is this constant flashback. Now we're in the present. Then we jump cut to a different scene. Then we do another flashback and then we jump cut and then we're back in the present. And then we, it, 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 that bothered me a lot. Um, but the other, the other two biggest things that bothered me were two scenes that were almost back to back. Um, the first one is Clark Kent in Canada at the bar. He walks <laughs> in, or he's, he's serving patrons, whatever. He overhears these soldiers, Canadian soldiers, talking about this anomaly that's been discovered. And even the American army and European armies are coming in to check everything out and blah, 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 blah. Uh, then this guy decides that he wants to be a little chauvinistic, to put it bluntly, put it mm -hmm. lightly, I should say, um, and start to hit on one of the waitresses who refutes his advances. He becomes extremely grabby and Clark stands up to him. And there's this whole thing where he throws his beer on him and spits him and this whole nine yards and Kent hangs up his 
thing and walks out his apron and walks out the whole scene bothered me a lot and i paused the film at that point to tosh and i'm like this is a super easy scene to recut uh, and and the alternate cut of this is clark kent is in the bar soldiers are not there we don't see this yet okay but he's interacting with the dude earlier in the film we've already established that superman can hear through walls and see everything that's going on so whatever so dude starts grabbing chick tries to pick a fight with clark we see clark almost go off and it'd have to be very subtle acting on henry cavill's part which he shows in a couple of other parts in the film so i know it's very Mm -hmm. possible but we have to as an audience ask the question are we about to see superman go ballistic and before we can answer the question supervision picks up on soldiers walking up to the bar from the outside saying the same line of yeah there was this anomaly it's alien of some type we got this human u.s soldiers blah, blah blah right okay we shouldn't be talking about this on civilian but then we cut back to clark the dude is still taunting him and clark hangs up his apron and is like it's not worth it turns around and walks out right that in my mind leaves a potential character flaw to be explored over the course of this first film while still establishing both the plot piece of where Clark needs to get to next and the intent of showing that desire to rise above those baser instincts. Um, I want to get your thoughts before I share the other point I have. Well, I mean, this, that scene really was reminiscent of uh, Superman too. Yeah. In when Superman's in the diner, Um, you know, the first time we see him in the diner, he's just, given up his powers and he gets the crap beat out of him he goes back and ends up getting his powers and then we see you know comes back same guy he takes he takes care of the guy but he does it in a way that's not like you know we know he could have flattened him like a pancake um though i agree that scene could have handled that so much differently the guy could have tried to you know could have thrown a punch at him and ended up you know coming back with his hand hurting like he broke it or something like that um it was it was a really weird scene i mean a lot of the stuff seemed really weird in the beginning especially leading up to the 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 ship in the ice it's like you know and then and lois being there and then yeah there's just a lot of weird things that happened in there and i and i get it's in a modern setting they had to speed things up but it those early scenes were really weird like he stole some some people's clothes just walked mm-hmm. up took them right out of the back yep. of their car and took off yep. what the heck that is not superman i don't yep. I, I get it his clothes burned up because he saved people on an oil rig but you know it would have been nice to see maybe a scene where he came back and left some money on the doorstep for something mm-hmm. so that you see hey i know i took this it was wrong but this is how I'm going to repay you. Yeah, even if that was something that happened way later in the film, or we utilized that as a marker to be able to show character growth as Superman is becoming Superman instead of just Clark Kent with superpowers, I think that would have been way more satisfying. Yeah. I think, uh, in, in I'm playing devil's advocate here on, on purpose. I'm, I Here's the truth. I don't disagree with you that the story could have been told better. I don't disagree with you that the movie has flaws. I still see positive value in the things that you are that you are constructively criticizing and breaking down. Uh, for example, 
I kind of love that we see a juvenile mentality in someone who has un effectively unlimited power. We've often heard the expression, um, you know, uh, how, how does it go? Like, like uh, ultimate power is ultimately corrupting or something to that effect, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, and he has ultimate power. And I think it's a constant struggle with him to not be corrupted and to not take that godlike position. Um, I think that the Jonathan Kent issue of like, he, he says you should not have done that in front of everybody. He was worried about the witnesses because he was worried about what would happen to his boy, to his child, if it got out that he was this special. And so that advice that he gave him was when Clark was a, a, a young teen, right? Like he was a kid. Um, but I don't think that's the advice he would have given his son as a man. And I think, you know, we see him as a man. He performs this thing. He, he performs this great act, this great feat on the oil rig. And then he gets away as quickly as he can to hide his identity because he mm. understands there's risk there. He steals clothes because he has no other option. And I agree with you. We, it would be nice for him to go back and do the Boy Scout thing. I think he's still developing as a character and that whole godlike mentality is still there where he's like, well, yeah, I guess I could have done that, but what does it matter? I don't care. Yeah. Right. And I, and just to put the cherry on top, I think that's a Chekhov's gun moment because we see him do these flawed things, destroy the semi because he's throwing a tantrum, uh, steal the clothes, but don't pay for them because then we get to the end of the movie and he's wearing the icon of his people and he's fighting Zod and Zod is trying to, kill these humans that he cares nothing for and superman is openly struggling with what does he do as a hero and what does he do as a human and ultimately makes his decision to kill zod that's that's exactly uh, that's exactly my 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 problem and my concern though is that it's it's clumsy writing particularly clumsy dialogue writing that could have enabled those things to be indicators to be Chekhov's guns that pay off later on in the act where we see him react one way in the beginning and then go back and make it right in the end or react one way in the beginning and then react a completely different way in the end but through a character arc instead of just oh now I put on the cape and all of a sudden I'm good again like that makes no cons that makes no conceptual sense to me and and that that leads into the the, the final biggest point the biggest crux that i feel this movie suffers from which is what i call the dick tinkle paradox <laughs> um there's a set of lines that are almost back to back from amy adams uh when she very first arrives at the uh the site yeah and she's getting off the chopper and talking to the head of the base and she cracks some joke about like what do I not have a big enough dick or whatever? Like, I don't even remember what the exact line was, but she's coming across as like this hardened bad a, like I'm going to show up and I'm going to rip a new one in everybody. Right. Cause I'm a, I'm a Pulitzer prize winning journalist. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, I'm down for this. Like I'm, I'm kind of excited to see Lois come in hard and then soften over the course of the film or allow that to be a motivating factor in future events. But then literally the next scene, she's shown to her uh, private retreat, let's call it, right? Little tiny camp chair for a bed. And uh, she asks the guy, but what if I need to tinkle? And it was like this 180 weird contortionist flip within the writing where all of a sudden she was like, it could have been played as sardonic, maybe if you 
delivered it differently. It didn't come across that way. It didn't come across as strictly pathetic, but it certainly wasn't this like hardened, I'm here, I'm in charge thing. And then that kind of, that kind of paradox that whatever introductory scene we see for a character is one way. And then the very next scene, they immediately go against it and it never quite goes back, but they end up somewhere in the middle. That was a consistent problem for me in this film. Um, I don't want to go too much further, but Dan, did you have any other thoughts? Yeah. I mean, uh, th this will be the final thought. We can move into Batman versus Superman is basically the film was rushed. You know, this is supposed to be the origin of, of Superman. And I think they rushed through it. They didn't take enough time. I think if we would have seen all the flashback scenes that they had kind of early on in the film, I mean, that's kind of what we had with Christopher, the Christopher, Christopher Reeves film, where we saw all the younger Clark in the beginning, which then led into where he was now. If we would have had those early on and not, this back and forth ping pong battle, I think that would have helped the film. But not only that, throwing the Kryptonians in so quickly, I think just rushed it. I mean, we didn't see them till what? I mean, yeah, Superman too, really. Uh, we had a whole film establish him as Superman before we had Zod and them show up. Um, and I get what they were trying to do, but it needed more time. We needed more time to see him come in as Superman and because it was rushed, suddenly he's Superman and he's fighting Kryptonians and things are blowing up left and right, which then does lead us ultimately in, which is one of the things I do believe they did really well with Batman versus Superman, is it picks up right there. It, it, we see that, that film starts during that battle with the Kryptonians. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the coolest scenes of that movie still in my opinion, is seeing Bruce Wayne jumping in a car and racing towards that the destruction. And in so much to the point, he can't drive any further, and then he gets out and starts running. Um, mm. Such an amazing scene. Um, definitely, I feel like with Batman versus Superman, they took more time. Yes, it still has problems, but they took a little bit more time because it's a little bit longer film to establish some dynamics in there. Yeah. Where I think, again, because it is a new cut, just like the Snyder cut with Justice League is, if Man is Still had a new cut, I think we'd see a much different film. It would probably hold up a little bit better, but it's just the theatrical release. Yeah, and, and I completely agree with Batman v Superman, literally from the first shot, the first 15 to 20 minutes is establishing the theme of the film, which is stakes and consequences, right? Yes. We're talking about expressions of humanity and of the character's humanity, but how their personal goals and actions cause ripples and effects and problems for everything else. One of my favorite lines that came out at the very beginning of the film, and it was some of the very last notes that I took because I loved the rest of that film, was ignorance is not the same as innocence mm -hmm. and this is this is coming right almost at the very cap of the establishment of the themes of the film and i just like i paused at that point and i turned to Tasha. i'm like this is it like this is good and she's going nuts next to me as well and then got a little mad at me for pausing the film because she wanted <laughs> to keep going yeah. but you know but it was like okay yes okay 
I could, from the first 15 minutes, I'm like, this is a much more thoughtful edit. And now understanding again, I have not seen the Batman v Superman theatrical cut, which could suffer from all of the same problems that oh, we see in Justice it, League and Man of Steel. I, I full-heartedly believe it does. It's very disjointed. Um, the other really, the, the thing that I really love about that film is we see a Batman we've never seen before. Um, he's very flexible. I mean, you see him on the scenes, he's firing his grappling hook, he's zipping off. We don't really see that in the other Batman films. You know, we see that he looks up, he fires a thing, and then he zips up. We do, that's it. But this, you see him holding onto walls and hiding in the shadows and zipping around. I really feel like Ben Affleck's version of Batman is yes. probably the truest version of Batman we've seen that's closely related to both, you know, the car, the, the animated films and the comics. I, I, so again, not having a background in the comics... I do believe that his portrayal of Batman is far and away my favorite. And Jeremy Irons is Alfred. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so good. I, mean, I don't yes. think there's been a bad Alfred, but Jeremy Irons, man, he played that line perfectly of like, I'm not incompetent. I am a servant, but I'm also kind of his only friend and his equal. And I'm going to step in and I'm going to get stuff done because that's what Master Wayne deserves. Yeah. Well, the thing I really liked about this portrayal of Alfred, you know, um, most often we see him as an elderly gentleman that is dressed as a butler. Um, if you watch the Beware the Bat, uh, Beware the Batman uh, animated series, he definitely, you see a lot more of his special forces days when he was in the British uh, government, which a lot of people don't realize, Alfred was a special operative in the, you know, on, for His Majesty's Secret Service, much like James Bond. And now, for some reason, he's a butler for the Waynes, and they die. And now he's kind of taking Bruce under his wing. Um, I really like the fact that Jeremy Irons is, you know, we kind of saw it with Michael Caine in in the Christopher Nolan ones, where he's really active in helping him design the bat suit and stuff like that mm. but we're actively seeing alfred improving on technology and working on things it's not all bruce wayne it's both of them and i really loved it and i love the fact that just jeremy irons voice where he's just like not giving batman any gruff <laughs> and being kind of sardonic in some in some moments with him so yeah. it, it was great seeing that character but it was also it, it was also nice to see an Alfred that was not just a passive tea server, but somebody yes. who was actively trying to keep up and keep in because mm -hmm. he knows that his job is now no it, it, or I should say it a different way. His job before everything else is as caretaker. And even though Bruce Wayne is now an adult, the head of a huge corporation who's out doing big things in the world he still understands that there's this real vulnerable meat bag underneath the suit yeah. <laughs> and he's gotta he's gotta keep him on his toes now the weak points of this film in my opinion are jesse eisenberg as lex luther <gasps> and introducing doomsday i mean why why do we need doomsday so immediately in the film 
you know, in a series. And, you know, Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor is just horrible. I mean, I give me give me some reasons why they portrayed him as Lex Luthor Jr. I could have I could have gone with that, and that Lex Luthor, the big baddie, is actually his dad that's in jail. But no, he's just not a believable Lex Luthor in any way, shape, or form, and I still can't buy into it. It drives me nuts. I think that um, I, I can definitely hear what you're saying. Like I I remember being a bit put off by Jesse's portrayal of Lex Luthor too. And I think it's because, you know, we had, I mean, freaking Gene Hackman, right? Like Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor was kind of the gold standard. He, and just like Christopher Reeve was the gold standard for Superman. And uh, then we got- yeah. Well, he, I mean, up until Michael Rosenbaum, I think Michael Rosenbaum hits it out of the park. Oh, I think Luthor. he's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Kevin Spacey did a good job, but not to interrupt, but that whole Jolly Rancher scene, just like, what the heck? Oh, I, I definitely, yeah, I think they did some experimental things with the Lex Luthor character there that I don't think, I, I, it, it, here's the thing. I don't think it met our expectations and thus we were inclined to shoot it down. That said, there are moments where Jay, where Jesse, who is an excellent actor he is a fantastic actor i think he took that character in a distinct direction that translates extremely well when we get to certain scenes as viewed in both uh justice league theatrical and zack snyder i think i think it builds his character over time and it gives us a certain level of unpredictability not terribly disjoint from what we see in a good joker so, so that's where, and, and, and I want to ask a critical question here um, before I get into my thoughts on this, but is the foundation of that, of those opinions based around what you already know Lex Luthor to be, or is it his Lex Luthor in a vacuum that you dislike? Um, let's start with Dan. So the problem I have with the character is Lex Luthor is the foil to Superman. And j this portrayal of Lex Luthor does not, for me, level up to that, that foil. I mean, Lex Luthor is super intelligent, lots of money, and very evil and conniving and manipulative and pulling strings. We saw some of that, yes, but when it comes down to it, just the scenes we had just did, I didn't see it. I just saw some poor picked on rich kid that just didn't have a daddy that showed him love. And so he's just going to do all this weird stuff and manipulate people because they can't do anything because he's rich and he has so much money that he can bring down lawyers and sue the crap out of you and make things happen. That's not Lex Luthor. I wanted to see a strong Lex Luthor that would have commanded my respect. And I didn't get that from, from this character um, at all. Perhaps. I can definitely sympathize with your assessment of this. I think the one thing I did not like about the Jesse version of Lex Luthor was that 
um, Lex Luthor to me is a villain that you cannot help but hold in high esteem. Even if you don't like him, you esteem and respect him for the things he's good at. He is good at tactics. Like, like he's, he's a tactician, a strategist, and he is cold. He, he has a burning passion underneath his skin because there's a hatred that's there, but he knows how to compartmentalize and he knows how to be a CEO of evil. Like he knows how to do those things. And I think a consummate Lex Luthor is not just one that hates Superman, but one who honestly thinks that he's doing the right thing for yeah. mankind, and he does it with cold, unyielding calculation, like hmm. w- with that persistence, right? Now, Jesse got some of those elements in there, but then he mixed it with this frenetic, just on the cusp of too much insanity, a little bit of insanity we can deal with, but he's on the cusp of too much, and yet he still knows, he still has all the other aspects. He's a tactician, he's a strategist, but his emotions are too close to the surface in terms of me respecting him as a Lex Luthor. Still like him as a villain, still think he did a good job, but as a Lex Luthor, I, I do agree with Dan's sentiments of like, he came, he came off as too petty and too childish. Yeah. Interesting. So I, I can definitely see where you guys are coming from. And I disagree with a caveat with a gigantic glowing asterisk in the sky. (laughs) Um, I, okay, this is a complicated opinion. Hold on, (laughs) I gotta frame a couple of things for you. So first and foremost, I believe that for Lex Luthor to be more impactful, And honestly, I think that it would have helped Man of Steel a lot as well. I would have either split Man of Steel into two movies, or I would have done a four-hour cut of Man of Steel with two critical halves. The first half being Superman becoming Superman instead of just Clark Kent with superpowers, in which we see things not in the disjointed flashback cut to a new scene all kinds of weirdness but we see that little bit of him as a child and i wouldn't spend a ton of time there but we see some of that fear some of that impetuousness some of that um hurt from being excluded from being different of trying to figure out what his powers are of knowing that something inside of him is telling him that these powers are important but not being able to place it until finally his father lets him in on the secret and we see him go through that stage um, of trying to establish who he is. And I would have introduced Lex Luthor as a minor villain at the beginning of that film, who's trying to convince everybody right off the bat, he's, he's proving his father's fears right, that Lex Luthor right off the bat is like, no, 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 this guy's bad news. Like, if you can't control the nuke, what are you going to do? right? And he's trying to get everybody to turn against him. And right at the critical point of that, I would bring in some of that Kryptonian backstory. I'm, I'm all right with Zod being there, um, but I'll explain why in a moment. And the second half, the larger portion of the film is now Superman proving that who he is becoming is 
that paragon of truth and justice that people can trust, that people can rely on, that he will not be swayed by power, that he will not betray his roots and the people that he has come to love and protect. And that as he discovers the call from his father, his real father, um, Jor-El, that he takes on that mantle. The critical juncture of this whole thing being something that is delivered in Batman v Superman, which is now that the Kryptonian ships have landed, Kryptonite is on earth, Lex Luthor now has a weapon. And so then we get to see it all play out in Batman v Superman of that whole back and forth. Um, why that's important to me is because I want to watch Lex Luthor unravel in the first film. Mm-hmm. Then I want to watch him be right where he is in Batman v Superman because, and we're going to have to revisit this in a few years and see whether I'm right. I honestly believe that Jesse Eisenberg's portrayal if executed correctly, the asterisk is coming in a moment, could be what the Joker was to Heath Ledger. Mm. Because it subverts many of the typical ideas while maintaining the cold calculation of the character if part one had been executed better so that we got to see more time with him and watch him unravel. And here's the even bigger asterisk, Whatever comes next, we need to see what Lex Luthor does. A possible thread in that is, I would love to see Lex Luthor in the next film as everyone's like, you know, we never should have trusted you. You're just a crazy rich man. Him to be like, everybody needs an out, right? (laughs) And we watch him see that that was his insurance policy in Batman v Superman as he knows he's doing things that are illegal. He knows that he's skirting the edge of the law he knows that if he gets caught he will go to prison he needs to have an insanity defense to be able to get him out but he also needs to have some of those things unhinged so that when he spends time in arkham he can convince some of the other characters to come through the one thing that could cause this to fail miserably is if he's forced to play with or against as an actor jared leto's joker because you cannot have two clinically unwound characters in this universe that are both trying to be the class clown, all puns intended. There's my gigantic asterisk. And again, I think that the ship may have sailed for the ideal situation there, but depending on what happens next, we may see some interesting things. Dan? Yeah, I mean, I'll kind of wrap things up so we can move on to the next thing because we gotta we gotta move into the final round, uh, which is Justice League. Um, you know, I would have been okay with the crazy Lex Luthor if we would have seen some behind the scenes stuff when he wasn't out in the public and we saw that kind of cold, calculated uh, Lex Luthor. But he was putting on the crazy persona um, out there. The other thing is, is why was he collecting kryptonite? How did he, you know, it's just suddenly like, oh, hey, kryptonite's his foil. No one really, there was no buildup as to why or how. He just suddenly knew it was Superman's weakness. That made no sense. Yes. We, it could have, it would have been nice to learn some backstory, uh, even if it was Steppenwolf stepping in and, and saying that. But even then, it was so recent, no one knew that I mean, Kryptonians just showed up. No one knew that it was doing anything to him. It was just really weird. Um, I'm okay with change, changing the dynamic of characters. 
but there was nothing in the story that helped solidify why he was that way. There was no explanation yes. or anything like that. Yeah. So that's, that's exactly where I'm like, if yeah. you gave Lex Luthor some time in Man of Steel to be the voice of like, no, this yeah. is wrong. And then you see him skulking around the background of the battlefield, trying to figure out what's going on. Like that could be cool. Yeah. And, you know, and we kind of do see that with the Gene Hackman version of Lex Luthor, where he's like, yeah, no, Superman, blah, 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 the nuclear deterrent, blah, blah, you know, and then the Kryptonians show up. And so he sides with them and then they, yeah. So I, I agree. We should have seen some other character development with them. The biggest thing that I, that really bugs me with this movie is how the fight between Batman and Superman ends. I mean, it's super cool. All the little Easter eggs they put in there, like the fact that Batman's suit is made of lead and so he can't see through it. The fact that he has a, you know, a Kryptonian or a, a staff that has kryptonite on the end of it. He's got made bombs that have, you know, Krypton or Krypton, kryptonite. kryptonite gas. Man, I'm, I'm so wound up. I'm, I'm losing my, my <laughs> Um, But the mere fact that this whole freaking fight stops because the word Martha is uttered. I mean, come on. Could we not have done something else? That's just weird. What? What did you say? Martha. Mm. I mean, just, ah, there could have been so much better ways. So, yeah, yeah, that, that was just weird for me. But hey. Now we need to move on to Justice League. Here's the thing, though. It's been about 45 minutes. Our audience, I'm sure, will be patient with us. Even though we promised the DCR cut, maybe this is just the, the, the wind-up, getting everything ready to go so that we can launch and have an episode just about Justice League. But hopefully those of you that have joined us on the journey so far understand now some of the foundational things, especially if you've already seen Justice League. <laughs> that will probably lead into a lot of the thoughts that you already have about these two very different films. So I think that we've got to wrap up this episode for the time being. Krebs, do you have a question that you'd like to leave for the folks on the Discord channel? Oh, absolutely. I think what we've proven here tonight is that these films can be one person's yuck and another person's yum, and that's perfectly fine. We want to hear what you think about the Man of Steel as a Superman story. And what do you think of Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition? Did we hit all the right points? Did we miss some important points? We will read those on the air. We will discuss them, not with too much d uh, diving into it because we have a lot to cover. As you saw how long it took us to get these through these two films, we've got two more movies to discuss and then the denouement of it all. So what did you think of Man of Steel? What did you like? What did you not like? What did you think of Batman v Superman Ultimate? What did you like? What did you not like? Those will be up on the Discord and so should be your answers. Yes, man. I want to jump in. I want to dive into the pool, the Justice League <laughs> pool. I got to wait a whole nother week. Man, if I'm this stressed out, our listeners just be, man, I just want to, I just want to smack you across the universe. <laughs> so, um, no. What if I mother, what, but what if I utter your mother's name? Oh, 
Well, you know, it's it's not going to have the same effect because it's not Martha, so we're good. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, as much as we are being negative on these films, I, I do have to put out there, it is, we have films out there. That is the great thing. DC is still trying to put out a film that speaks uh, highly of these characters. It's tough. Yes. Let's, let's just face it. You know, it's easy to put a film out about Captain America. You know, he, he's got super strength. He can run fast. He's got good old American values. They can set it in, you know, World War II where you can get on board with that. It's really hard to take a character like Superman that is godlike. Um, it's, it's really hard to try to translate that into a film that works well. I wholeheartedly get that and admit it. It's a lot easier to do in an animated film. Batman and it's also, and it's also very easy after the fact to be able to say, these are all the problems when yeah. you're not in the middle of a multi-million dollar production with Truth. a deadline and yeah. a studio breathing down your back. Correct. Truth. Correct. I, and I do get that. Batman is a much easier character to portray, you know? He's a rich billionaire that has lots of toys and gadgets. It's Tony Stark, pretty much, without a flying suit. But we have seen Batman in a flying suit uh, in animated series and stuff like that. So they're very, it, it's easy to compare those two. You know, Wonder Woman, another great character that's easy to translate. Superman is tough. I get that. Um, these are very complex characters. And it's easy for us to say, well, they got this wrong, they got this right, they get, and, and all these things. We've had time to analyze them and look at them. And I definitely, as a Superman fan, it, it, it's really hard for me to look at these, especially Christopher Reeves was fantastic. No one can replace him as that character. But at the same time, this is a different Superman on a different Earth. That is the great thing about the, the multiverse we can have we can have that and accept that. So we'll move on to Justice League and the the Snyderverse cut uh, apparently next week because now I got to wait a whole nother week to talk about it. Curse you! <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, but we hope you've enjoyed our 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 debate, our discussion. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your two cents. We want to hear what you think. Um, Join us on Discord. Throw out the, your thoughts, your ideas, your opinions. We want to hear them. We'll read them off even next week um, because we definitely will value you. We value your opinion, and this is the this is the right time. You know, as it was said, D is for danger. We're not afraid of the danger. Obviously, we've been throwing out hand grenades and lobbing them left and right. <laughs> so let us hear from you. And with that said, we'll catch you next time. And dungeon crawlers. Whether it takes one cut or two, or heaven forbid you miscalculate and have to do three, <laughs> tell your story, whatever may come. And whether or not you agree with the storytelling and the dialogue as found in this episode, or whether you think we could have done this episode better, always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you always. Dungeon Crawlers.